You're listening to Along the Narrow Way, a podcast that walks you through books of the Bible verse by verse to help you dig into God's Word so you can walk along the narrow way with Christ more faithfully. Hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. Join them as they help us understand the Bible so we can walk more faithfully as disciples of Jesus. All right, my friends, so we started two weeks ago looking at John chapter 11. Now, many of you will remember that um, that is the chapter where we read about a very miraculous event, the resurrection of Lazarus. Now, what is happening here is Jesus is not close to Bethany in Judea. He's in a different Bethany in Peria. And word is sent to Jesus that his friend Lazarus is sick. Now, the scripture tells us here early on in chapter 11 that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He loved their family. And word is sent that this great friend of his that he loves is sick. And he did not immediately go. In fact, he says, oh, it's going to be okay. You know, this, this illness isn't to death, he said. But it really is. He knew what was going to happen. He wasn't saying that it was death in a permanent sense, but death in a temporary sense in that Lazarus was going to live and live again because he knew what he was going to do. That's right. So word gets to him. They don't immediately leave. Um, In fact, he hangs around a couple of days where he's at, and then he gets ready to go, and he he tells his disciples, okay, well, we're going to head on out. And his disciples say, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you not remember the last time you were there? The Jews tried to stone you. That is the religious leaders. They tried to stone you. I'm not sure about this now. And Jesus said, now, look, I'm going to go. And he he gives this uh, kind of this uh, proverbial saying, about when you're walking in the day, you don't stumble. That's but right. when night comes, you, you'll stumble. He's really saying, look, the time for my death hasn't come. I'm safe. That's right. Night will come when I will stumble into death because it'll be God's appointed time. But now it's okay. And if you remember, one disciple actually spoke up and said, well, let's go. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember which one it was. It was, it was uh, Thomas. Thomas, yes. Out of all of them, Thomas says, look, if he's going to go die, let's go with him. And so Thomas is like, we're going to go. We're going to go. That's right. Down in Thomas. Because we was all with, yeah, That's right. I remember That's right. That now. Yeah. That's right. And so <laughs> Jesus says, I need to go. And Lazarus is asleep. I've got to get there to wake him up. And they're like, well, well if he's just asleep, you don't really have to go. But Jesus wasn't talking about sleep. That's right. He was metaphorically speaking of death. And many, many times, Jimmy, in the scriptures, the Bible metaphorically speaks of a saved person, a saint's death, as sleep. Yes, that's uh, that's what's interesting. It's always a saved person. That's it. That's falling asleep. That's it. It's never a lost person. It's never referenced that way. But Jesus clears them up pretty quickly. In fact, he has to very bluntly and plainly say there around oh verse 14 Lazarus is dead mm-hmm. listen to what I'm saying to you guys he's dead I'm going to go there and handle this and he says and it's a good thing I'm glad for your sakes this happened mm-hmm. not that he's glad Lazarus died but he's glad that he wasn't there to heal him of a sickness because these disciples are fixing to see something they've never seen before 
that's going to embolden them and strengthen them and help them see a side of Jesus that they needed to see. Uh, it's another opportunity to reveal his deity and, and to see his glory revealed. And that's what he said to begin with. This is not happening for any other reason other than God might be glorified and that as the son of God, I could be glorified. He says that right off the get-go. And so they, they get there to Bethany. And of course, you remember Martha comes out first. And Martha, uh, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's right. And she, she was upset, you know, and she was grieving. She was mourning, um, and understandably so. But also in her statements there, you see expressions of faith. She says, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you, he, she yeah. says there in 22, verse 22. So she's still understanding Jesus is the one I have to have faith in. And Jesus says, well, your brother's going to rise again. And, and Martha's response is, well, Jesus, I know he will in the last day. Yeah. So she's referencing there her understanding of the Old Testament's teachings and the teachings that she probably heard Jesus teaching up to this point. That's right. But that's not what he's referring to. It's not off in the future somewhere. It's now. It's right there. It's now. And so you come across this statement um, that's a just profound statement, Jimmy. We see it here in verse 25. I'm going to go ahead and, and read this verse. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus now is, is dropping a truth bomb. He's saying, listen to me. I am the resurrection and the life. Your brother will live again because of me. That's right. I am the one with the power of life. I am the one with the power of resurrection. I hold that power. And in fact, he goes on to say in that statement, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And I believe that's a reference to bodily resurrection. Mm -hmm. Lazarus' belief was in me. His faith was in me. Though he may die, he will live. I'm going to raise him up. And that is what the Bible teaches about all of us. That's right. The Bible teaches that those who have faith in Christ, their body dies. That's that sleep we mentioned a second ago. Mm -hmm. Jesus says there will be a resurrection, a physical resurrection for them. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible talks about that. It talks about how at the appointed time, there will be a a blast of a trumpet, the shout of an archangel, Jesus will appear in the clouds. Yeah. And the Bible says there that the dead in Christ will rise. Mm. That's a bodily resurrection. That's going to be a good day. It'll be yeah. a good day. It'll be a good day. And in fact, the Bible says those of us who are alive, when that happens, as soon as those who are died in Christ are resurrected, we will be called up in the air with them too. Yeah. That's, that's the rapture of the church there. Yes. And so... 1 Thessalonians 4 promises that. It talks about that. But the Apostle Paul explained it further in 1 Corinthians. In chapter 15, he said that the resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees our resurrection. In other words, we can be confident that this will happen for us because Jesus has been resurrected. He has risen. He is victorious over death. And he makes us victorious over death. If he had not, our faith would be in vain. That's exactly, you know? that's exactly what it says. That's exactly what it says. If you want to read this passage, 
that pinpoints and identifies the importance of the resurrection of Jesus, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's right. That's 1 right. Corinthians 15. There are other places too, but, oh, yeah. but that, that is where the Apostle Paul is going to, he takes time to say, let me just explain to you the gospel. <laughs> yes. Verses 3 and 4, he explains the gospel, and then he goes in to explain and the, the, the validity of this gospel, the power of this gospel, the reality of it is in the resurrection of Christ. And he explains all that. It's a great chapter to study. It's basically saying Jesus validates you as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mm-hmm. really nothing before Christ. Well, you know? you're 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 just dead you're before vapor. Christ. You're, you, yeah. and, I mean, you still are a vapor, but in a sense, you know, at least you're going to be resurrected. You're well, not going to be just gone. That's that's the difference there, Jimmy, between an unbeliever and a believer, because we are all dead in sin, separated from God, yes. spiritually dead. But those who are born again, believers in Jesus Christ, they are made spiritually alive. Mm-hmm. They are given what the Bible calls eternal life. And eternal life is not something that happens in the future. It's what we receive now. now. You and I are living in eternal life right now. It's not something we wait on. It's something we have right now. And we will know its fullness in the future. And so without Christ, you're just spiritually dead. There's nothing. But by faith in Christ, you begin living a brand new life, even here and now, that carries on throughout eternity. Amen. Amen. That's that's it. And that's what he's saying in this next phrase when he talks about being the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And then he says this, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's what he's talking about there. That eternal life. You... Death is just simply the gateway to let us experience the true fullness of life that God intends us to have in his presence. Death isn't the stopping point. Death isn't the place where we cease. It's the door we pass through to experience the fullness of God's presence. That's right. And then, of course, there's the resurrection where the spirit and body are reunited and we, we rule and reign and serve Christ in his kingdom throughout that's eternity. Right. Well, that's going to be great. It is, it is. But so, so Jesus here explains, I am the resurrection and the life. I have that power. If your faith is in me, when your body dies, you'll be resurrected. And if your faith is in me, you're never going to die spiritually. I give you eternal life. But listen to the last thing he says. Do you believe this? So he's calling on Martha to make a personal profession. profession. Faith. Yes, that's where she must personally decide to accept that. And that's where we're all at. When we hear the truth of Jesus, we come across the truth of the gospel, we must each individually, personally respond. You know, and that's what's interesting in the gospel. Each person that encounters Jesus eventually makes a personal profession of faith of who he is. Even, mm-hmm. you know, Thomas right here. And mm-hmm. then later on, Thomas, when he meets Jesus again, he, he's, he, he just confirms it even more, you know. Mm-hmm. And just, everybody that meets Jesus always makes a profession of faith. They just never... They never can keep quiet, even when he tells them to keep quiet about it. Sure, sure, that's right. Well, Martha, we're not going to take time to read it. We, we did this a couple of weeks ago, but Martha gives a very specific response in verse 27 where she professes faith and identifies Jesus in multiple ways. So she does that. Then she goes and gets Mary, and it says she did it secretly, quietly. Yeah. But when Mary got up and left, all those mourners that had gathered, they (laughs) came with Mary. So he can't keep it quiet. That's right. And so here comes Mary to meet Jesus with all the big crowd of people. So now there's a great cloud of witnesses that are fixing to witness the power of Jesus, the power he has because he's God. And we come to that section 
where it talks about Jesus groaned in his spirit, how he was grieved in his spirit. Um, multiple reasons for that. He just, he just uh, is coming face to face with the death of someone he really loved. Yeah. He's seeing the pain yeah. in Mary and Martha who he loves. He's seeing the results of sin and what it's done yeah. in the creation when it brings death. He's confronted with the, probably the, the lack of faith of so many. And there's multiple reasons he groaned in his spirit. But the Bible talks about how that happened. And he finally says, take me to the tomb. They take him. And he says, you need to roll the stone away. And of course, they freak out a little bit. And Martha's like, Jesus, Lazarus has been in there four days. He's going to stink. That's right. And we talked about last, or two weeks ago, that four days was kind of important yeah. because Jewish tradition said a person's spirit could kind of hover around for three days, <laughs> but come four days, it was gone because decay would set in. And so even by Jewish tradition, Lazarus was dead beyond hope. That's right. They roll the stone away, and of course, Jesus says a prayer, yeah. and he, he said the prayer for the benefit of those who were listening so they would recognize he was indeed sent by God as the Son of God to be the Messiah. And then he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And of course, the Bible says Lazarus came kind of waddling out, still bound up, and Jesus had to say, come on, unwrap him, cut him loose. Yeah. And we mentioned a couple of weeks ago how Jesus is calling all of us out of the death and the grave of sin. That's right. And when someone's called out of that by faith in Jesus, it's our responsibility to help them get unwrapped from that's all right. that still entangles Make them. That's, that's right. That's right. That's right. And so that's about where we got to two weeks ago. That's right. So I'm going to pick up and start reading where we didn't come. Can I just say something about yes, the Jesus weeping? Absolutely. I just, want, I just want to tickle your mind with this a little okay. bit. Okay. Jesus weeping over him is a perfect example. Of, I think this is also, a, he, he, there's all that stuff. You know, how, how, how grieving over that and the sickness and how sin and everything. I think it's also the picture of how God sees sin. It, it, well, you know, because they're one. He's showing them mm -hmm. we're one. Me and the Father are the same. We see sin in this. It weeps. We see the pain. And also, God wept when when Jesus was on the cross and everything like that. And mm -hmm. had to turn away from and everything it's, like that. I think there's something in I that. I think so. Right I think that's a fair statement that God the Father probably was grown in his spirit yes. when sin was put upon yes. God the Son and he's, there on the cross. And Jesus is showing that, look, it grieves my Father that sin is in the world mm -hmm. and it kills you. Mm -hmm. it's like it, well, that was never God's intent no, for his plan. No, no. It's a consequence of man's fallen state. Yeah, so. you know. That's a good point. That's I just point. want to leave it with that. That's a good point. <laughs> Let's pick up here with verse 45. Verse 45, if you're following along with us, we're in John chapter 11, verse 45. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did, excuse me, this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. 
Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. Now really chapter 12 ties into all that. It's not a good break, but I'm going to break right there anyway. Um, so here we go, Jimmy. Lazarus comes out. This miraculous work of God's power has been performed. And the Bible says many of those saw what Jesus had done, and they came to faith. They believed. This is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. So you have those who are confronted with the reality of Christ. They come to faith. You have a whole other group. They're confronted with the same reality of Jesus, the same power of Jesus, the same truth of Jesus. And it says, but they went away. They didn't believe. In fact, they ran back to the Pharisees and the chief priests. They went back to tell on Jesus is what they did. Yeah. And so here you see two groups of people, both confronted with the same truth of Jesus. One group comes to faith. One group will not. And the reality is, Jimmy, when we're out there witnessing to people, we're sharing the gospel. If someone rejects the truth of Jesus, it hurts us a little bit. It makes us feel like, well, maybe I didn't do a good job or maybe I didn't say the right thing. The reality is there are those who reject Christ. Yeah. We present the truth. Yeah. They encounter the truth. They must respond. These people both encountered the same truth. Half of them received him. Half of them rejected him. That's right. It didn't change the truth of Jesus. Well, I, I just always kind of try to remind myself, if they do reject me, I have to, and, and they won't let me talk to them or anything. I just have to sit there and look. I, I didn't say anything. They were already rejected. They were already rejected before I even got mm -hmm. there. They done had their mind made up. That's true. Know? That's true. You know, I didn't cause them to mm -hmm. just all of a sudden reject Christ out of the blue. I, I couldn't do that. That's right. It's never a rejection of us or what we did. There, it's a rejection of Jesus. I can't talk is. you out of Christ just the same way I can't talk you into That's Christ. That's right. You sure. Know? you got to sure. make a decision. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so the Pharisees, the chief priests, hear what's going on, and it says they assemble the council. That's the Sanhedrin gathered, the ruling body gathered. What are we going to do? we got a, we got a problem. It's a Jesus problem. What are we going to do? And... They never denied the miracles he's working. They don't deny the power he's displaying. They don't dispute that he's performing all this. Yeah. They're simply worried about their position of authority, their position that they hold among the people. How will this affect them? How will this affect their privilege? And then Caiaphas, the high priest, makes a prophecy I without know. even knowing he's doing Interested, it. Interested, isn't it? Yeah. He doesn't even know he's making a prophecy about the coming death of Christ and what it really means, but he's doing it. And he says, look, Jesus must die for the benefit of the nation. It's better for him to die than for the Romans to come in and, and take what we have, take our privilege, take our position of authority, and maybe overrule our nation. Of course, Rome was already overruling the nation. Oh, yeah. They were already the oppressors here. God, more to come. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. In just about 40 years, the temple would be destroyed. You know? So uh, what we see here, God applied a special meaning to the words of Caiaphas without him even knowing it. 
Jesus would die for the nation. He would redeem the people out of their sins. And not only will his sacrificial death be for that nation, but for all those scattered abroad that God will bring into one family. Jew and Gentile alike, anyone who will come to faith in Christ. That's what is going on here. And he doesn't even know. He doesn't even know that that's what's happening. That's right. But he's speaking, he's speaking the truth. This just shows you the sovereignty of God that his will will come to pass. He will bring it to pass, even working through people who don't even know that's they're right. part of his plan. There's some people that's tried to twist this around saying that he did know and he kind of, you know, or I was like, but I don't believe that. No. I believe he was blinded by his own selfishness yeah. and sin. and mm-hmm. He just didn't realize he's being used by God. And that's I think right. that's happens to a lot of people. That's right. Know? That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. And it says here that from this day forward, from this day forward, they plotted to kill Jesus. Now we know from our previous studies through this gospel, there's already been attempts to kill Jesus, but this is the concerted, unified, scheming plan to bring about the death of Jesus, whereby they've even spread the word. If anyone knows where he's at, you turn him in. We need to seize him. Scheming plan. That's why I tell, tell people, it's like they schemed to kill Jesus. They didn't want to help people That's right. <laughs> come for, to salvation and That's orchestrate right. all this. I was like, they didn't do that. That's right. And so <laughs> they set in motion scheming plan here to seize Jesus. Yeah. They're working on it. Now we know, just because we know what's coming, that Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, is going to get in on this plan. Now, we don't know where he got in on it and exactly how it all came to be, but we see it already in motion here. And the chapter comes to a close. It's getting time for Passover again. Jesus always went to Jerusalem for Passover. That's right. Well, we're going to see as we enter into chapter 12, that's exactly what Jesus is about to do. He's about to head that way. And this is going to be the last time he goes into Jerusalem because it will be the culmination of his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And so we still have quite a few chapters of this gospel left, but chronologically speaking, as far as the life of Jesus on earth and his ministry, we're we're right towards the end of it now. And, And so chapter 12 really ties right into chapter 11 there, but we're going to have to stop and uh, pick up with chapter 12 next week. But, um, well, that was a whirlwind of review, I know. I mean, <laughs> we might have lost some people. It's but, all right. <laughs> but I tell you what, we'll be back up and running next week with chapter 12, just like always, and doing our normal process. We'll probably back up a little bit and, and tie it in with chapter 11 because they really do go together. Yeah, this whole thing right here you is know, just, it's a, one event. For right, months, it, it all know. goes together. And it, that's just, it's a good... This is a good place just to remind everyone, when you're reading the Bible, the chapters and the verses are not original to the text. And so those are put in by men later to help it or help us study the Bible. It makes it easier when we study. Turn to chapter 12, verse 2. But chapters and verses weren't there originally. So when periods weren't even there. (laughs) When chapter 11 stops and chapter 12 begins... We have a break, but that break wasn't there originally. Uh-huh. And so we'll back up and time together next week and keep pressing on into chapter 12. Amen, amen. All right, well, hey, thank you all for being with us, and I appreciate you.
You have been listening to Along the Narrow Way, hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast so you can get updates on new episodes. Thank you for listening, and remember to stay faithful to walk along the narrow way with Jesus.